Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special Christmas Eve edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be joined by uh, Cole Shelton to break down the year of 2019. What a great year we had in MMA. Uh, Cole, just overall thoughts on the year. We're going to give our awards out uh, for all the categories, but give me your overall thoughts on what you thought 2019 in MMA was like. Yeah, it was a good year. It was obviously the first year ESPN that was big for the sport. I think that helped grow it a lot. There was a lot of, I thought this year was more, there was a lot better fights. I don't know. There was some good knockouts. I think this year had a lot of good fights. There were some cards that kind of dragged on. There were some really good cards, like cards that could be considered some of the, like the best of this past decade, but it was just another year for the UFC. They just keep on rolling. And even without McGregor it was still a good year. You know, it's funny you say that because I kind of feel like there was like a lot of good knockouts and stoppages and like not as many like memorable like fights per se, but there were definitely some good fights. Anyways, we got a lot to talk about today. It's going to be a longer show, but no worries there because uh, this year deserves it. So Cole, we'll be doing categories. Uh, we'll be doing, we just mentioned them, fighter of the year, fight of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year, upset of the year, comeback of the year, rookie of the year, event of the year, coach of the year, storyline of the year the top fighter outside of the UFC, and our three hot takes for 2020. I was on the TSN podcast uh, last week, so some of my picks will be similar, but I told Cole I don't want us to have the same picks, so me and Cole are going to have completely different picks for all the categories. It gets really boring when everyone's picking the same thing, and I told Cole that, and he agreed with me. So some of these categories are, you know, there's some that Cole picked that I would have picked, and there's some that I picked that Cole would have picked, but we decided to choose different things for everything. So let's start with Fighter of the Year, Cole. And to me, there were really only two choices for Fighter of the Year. So I'll let you go first, and I'll do mine. Go ahead. Yeah, my Fighter of the Year has to be Israel Adesanya. That, he went 3-0, and went over Anderson Silva. I know Silva's not as big as a name as he is, or he's not in his prime over. That's still a good name. Silva's a lot of guy people knew. He even headlined that pay-per-view. Fast forward UFC 236, he has one of the best fights like I can remember in a long time against Gas on that fight. It was amazing. Won the interim belt, and then in October, he knocks out Robert Whitaker to win the middleweight title. 3-0 and and winning the interim and the middleweight title. Like It was a great year for Adesanya. And it's not even like it's just – and it's three big wins. Like Gaslam and Whitaker were considered two of the best middleweights, and Anderson Silva is just like a legend. To have that one on your record in 2019 is great. Yeah, Israel Asana is a great pick, and I think, like I said, there's only two guys you can really pick here, and I think almost everyone will agree with me on that. It's either Israel Asana or Jorge Masvidal. Cole picked Israel, and Israel is a great pick. He was my rookie of the year last year, and he went 4-0 last year, and this year he just you know leveled off, as he would say, and went 3-0, beating Anderson Silva, Calvin Gaston, Rob Whitaker. So an incredible year for Israel Asana. And this guy says, turn it on, What's up, Cole and Adam? What's going on, man? Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Like I said, Cole, it's either it's either Israel Asanya or Jorge Masvidal. There really is no other choice, in my opinion. Like this is one category where like most people are picking the same guys, and like I'm fine with that because to me there really are only two uh, choices here. So again, Israel is a great choice. And when I was in the TSN show last week, Aaron said that he would lean a little bit towards Israel because he did actually win a UFC title. So that's a good justification. Now my pick's going to be Jorge Masvidal though, and uh, this guy also had an incredible year. The crazy thing about Hori Masvidal is cool. Like, I've been watching Hori for years, like 10 years, literally 10 years, since he was in uh, Sengoku, Bellator, and uh, Strikeforce. I mean, I remember him fighting Toby Amato in Strikeforce, or excuse me, in Bellator back in 20, 2009. Crazy, man. 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, when he got choked out with that crazy inverted triangle, which was the submission of the year 10 years ago. And now he's the one getting the finish of the year. So, 
Corey Maslow up until this year, like he was like a high level gatekeeper. He was not a contender. He was a guy that would always lose the big fight. He was not a guy that I ever looked at as a title contender because he had too many holes in this game. But Cole now this year, like you talk about leveling up, Corey Maslow's leveled up. Like what a year this guy's had. And the crazy thing is, Cole, he won uh, all three of his fights. A lot of people were picking him in. Uh, a lot of people were counting out in, including his first fight of the year against Darren Till in March. He went to London to fight Darren Till and knocked him out in the second round. It was a huge win. He was the underdog in that fight. A lot of people were counting him out. It's a huge win there. But the win that really like solidified him as like a star was the Ben Askren flying knee. He set the UFC record, fastest knockout, five seconds with a flying knee, UFC 239. It was an insane knockout. Uh, and then he obviously finished the year with the BMF belt, uh, winning performance against Nate Diaz, TKO, Dr. Stoppage. Uh, maybe a little bit of a controversial finish there as far as the doctor stopping the fight, but still a great performance. He looked amazing in that fight. So this guy went 3-0. At age 35, he looks better than ever. And he looks like he's destined to have a massive year in 2020 goal. Like, you have to assume that he's next line for the title, although he wants money fights. He wants to melt Conor McGregor, and that's what he says. But I, I would like to see him fight for the belt because I do believe he deserves a title shot. It just depends what the UFC wants to do. They want to give him a money fight. They want to give him a title shot either way. This guy is going to be my pick for end of the year. But again, Israel is a great pick too. They're both 1A and 1B in my opinion. Like It's really hard to pick either guy, Cole, because they just had such amazing years. All right, let's go to fight of the year. Give me your pick. Yeah, fight of the year, it has to be, for me, Adesanya Gaslam. That UFC 236 card, I remember when it got booked, everyone goes, two interim titles headlining the card. Like, yeah. are people even going to be care to watch it? And then the main card was kind of okay, and then Adesanya Gaslam happened. And that fight's one of the best fights. Like, they went back and forth. Both of them were rocked. Like, their faces were just beat up at the end of it. Like, it was one of the fights, I think, that really helped Adesanya push him over as a star. Because that was the fight. Like, it was just an amazing fight. And then to have Hall, like, Poirier after that. But Gaslam Adesanya, for me, like, I did not expect that fight to be like that. I thought Adesanya would just beat Gaslam fairly easily. And to have that back and forth fight. And the fifth round really decided it all. Like, the, it was basically 2-2. Like, Adesanya was rocked a couple times, and it really showed some holes in Adesanya, but then he fixed those right up in the fifth round. But it was just a great fight. That's my fight of the year. Yeah, another great pick, and this was an amazing fight. And we shouldn't even forget that Poirier and Holloway was equally as good of a fight in the same card. And the crazy thing with this card, Cole, like, it was booked on pretty short notice. A lot of the fights were booked on short notice. A lot of people, like you said, were kind of skeptical about having two interim title fights headline the card, but it turned out to be a great decision to the better fights of the year. Great pick there, Cole. My pick's going to be a little bit out of the box here. I'm going to go back to UFC Fight Night Vancouver pick, Tristan Conley against Michelle Bahia. I think I had more fun watching this fight than any other fight this year, Cole. Like, it was just an incredible fight to watch. I'll be honest, I didn't really know too much about Tristan Conley coming into this fight. I assumed he would be way too small for Bahia and would probably get dominated and lose. The betting odds had Bahia as a big favorite, but this guy came in here and really answered the call and, and ended up picking up a huge win to extend his win streak to five straight fights. Uh, really good performance by Tristan Conley in his UFC debut on short notice against Bahia, who is extremely fun to watch. Like, the guy is – he's kind of a goof, but he's so much fun to watch, Cole. Like, the, the walkout, though, was so much fun. And then the fight itself, the first round, him doing all these flying knees and, and crazy stuff and then getting tired and Conley having the crowd chanting his name as he pummeled Bahia, picking up the unanimous decision win. I love this fight, Cole. It was an amazing fight. Um, it was definitely a contender for upset of the year for sure, for uh, Tristan Conley as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his next fight. It hasn't been booked yet, but hopefully soon. And for Bahia, he's fighting Diego Sanchez next. And you talk about crazy fights, Cole. What about Sanchez versus Bahia? That's just going to be ridiculous. Like something crazy is going to happen there. So that would be my pick. I know it's a little bit out of the box, but I want to pick something different here. I don't want to pick the same stuff. 
All right, next up, knock of the year. Go ahead. It has to be the knee Moswell knockout asker, and that's one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. And like just this way it happened too. Like I picked Asker in that fight. I just thought Askren would just dominate uh Mazadal. I thought he just rest out wrestled him because we saw Mazadal a lot of his weak points in his game was when he got out wrestled, like Damian Maya did it to him. And I thought Ben Askren could. And this is before Mazel really like he had that went over till and everyone's like, oh, I wonder if he'll be able to knock out Askren. And to go out and do it in five seconds with that knee, like, and that was Askren's first loss, just adding it all together, that has to be the best knockout of the year for me. Yeah, it's a great pick, and I think I think it's the pick most people would go with. Not not a bad pick by any means. Uh, just you know, really an obvious pick, I think, just because he did set the record for fastest knockout. But yeah, great pick, Cole for sure, and an amazing knockout by Jorge Masvidal. And the thing about this knockout is like it'll be replayed forever and ever, forever. So. <laughs> but Askren's going to see that knockout for the rest of his life, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great pick, Cole. I'm going to go with a uh, women's fight here. We don't have a lot of women on our list, but this one I think I'm going to go with uh, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica I at UFC 238. So the pay-per-view before this, <laughs> holy crap, Cole. I mean, what a knockout, right? Like, you don't see a ton of knockouts in the women's flyweight division, but Valentina is one of the fighters that does have KO power. And this was, like, I believe her first, like, one, like, strike knockout in MMA, which is crazy because – she does have finishing ability, but the first time we've seen her knock someone out with a devastating blow like this, and for Jessica I, uh, she doesn't really get knocked out either. Like it was only her first knockout loss of her career, so an insane knockout call at UFC 238. Like Jessica I couldn't even get off the mat. It was an insane KO. And the other one I would think I was thinking about was uh, Alexander Rakic against Jamie Manuel. Like the sound that one made, it sounded like someone took a baseball bat and hit Manuel right in the head. Insane knockout. Too bad that uh, Rackage lost the last fight. I really thought that guy was going to be going places. He's still good, be, but they kind of retired Manuel. So I think that's another great pick there. Uh, let's go ahead and submission of the year. Go ahead. Uh, Bryce Mitchell's uh, Twister. Just happened earlier this month. I think just seeing that, like, because Twisters are one of those submissions you'll never really see. And then just seeing it set up, it was like, he's not going to do a Twister. And then you see it, talk about it, and you're like, oh, he's actually going to get one. And it was just like, just to see him do it in step by like it almost seemed like in slow motion when he was doing it, like the step by step process, and then to finally get it, like I think to me that's one of the best submissions, and to see it actually happen in the UFC because it doesn't happen often. That has to be my switch of the year. But there was a lot of good submissions this year. I think that could have been it. Yeah, and Bryce Mitchell's submission is great, and you don't see a twister too often. The last one was Green Zombie against Leonard Garcia in 2011. Now. The difference between that is, Cole, I think you were like 10 years old at the time. I don't even know if you remember that. But I remember watching – I really remember watching that with my friends. And we were just like freaking out because none of us had ever seen them before. And later on, we all found out that Eddie Bravo had taught it. It's actually called the guillotine in wrestling. But still, I'd never seen it before. So to me, that was like insane at the time. And it was still cool seeing Bryce Mitchell do it again. But I'd seen it before. So like I, I, I didn't like go as crazy this time around. Although it was a great submission. Don't get me wrong. I'm actually going to go with Cyril Gone for his – uh is heel hook submission win over Dontel Mays. And I'll tell you why, because Cole, when the hell do you see a heavyweight pull off, first off, a submission, especially one by heel hook? Like, I don't know if that's the first UFC history by, by a heavyweight, but it might be. And if it is, it was insane. This guy's had a great year, and I know you're going to talk about it a little bit later, Cole, but wow, what a year this guy had, and what a submission. Like, again, I've never seen that by a heavyweight, and it happened right, like, with 15, 14 seconds left in the third round. So he was going to win the fight, but he decided to put a cherry on top and get the submission win by heel hook. And the other guy I was thinking about was uh, Misha Turkinov Cole with the uh, Peruvian necktie over Jamie Cruz. That would be a great pick, too. So I think those are all, all, all really good picks. Uh, next up, we're going to go event of the year. Go ahead, Cole. Event of the year for me is UFC 244. Just 
all of its surrounding, like the BMF title, the rock there. I know people don't like him, but even just having the president in attendance, like that has to add a lot to the event. And there was a lot of good fights in it. Like you had Walker Anderson was a good one. Like T- Thompson Luque was a good fight. You had the, obviously the main event Mazadal. Diaz was a good one. Just like to me, and that was the most hyped for, for a fight I got this year. And like even some of my friends that aren't really MA fans, like they knew about it. They wanted to come watch it because they knew like Mazadal and Diaz are such huge stars now. And I think the event delivered. I know there wasn't a real title fight on it, but I think there's a lot of good fights. And that event as a whole was just the best for me this year. Yeah, great pick, Cole. Amazing event. Tons of good finishes on that card. I'm going to go with UFC 239. Now, this is actually a tough pick because I think there was a lot of good events. UFC 238 was also a really good card. But 239 for me was very memorable. Um, obviously, we already mentioned the Masvidal flying knee over Ben Askren. That's up there for one, one of the best knockouts of all time, like you mentioned, Cole. The Jan Blachowicz win over Luke Rockhold. That was a lot of fun to watch. A lot of people don't like Luke Rockhold, so it was cool to see Blachowicz getting that huge knockout win as an underdog. Uh, Manny Nunez knocking a Holly home with a head kick. That was amazing, too. And uh, the main event of the evening, Cole, John Jones against Tiago Santos, by far the closest fight of John Jones' career in a fight I thought he lost. I can't remember how you scored it, Cole. Who'd you score for, Cole? I can't remember. I had Jones. Yeah, you had Jones. I had Santos. I thought he went to 48-47. It was one of those really close fights. I'd like to see a rematch at some point. But to me, it was one of the better fights of the year. And people are talking about fight of the year. I think they're forgetting about that fight. It was an amazing fight. Really close fight. And also on the undercard, you had a lot of other group of performances like Edmund Shabazian, Yudong Song, uh, Marlon Vera. So to me, that would be up there for, for uh, event of the year. There are a lot of good picks. UFC 244 is a great pick as well. Amazing card. But yeah, there were some really good events this year. Next up, we're going to do upset of the year, Cole. Go ahead. I have Kamal Worthy knocking out Devontae Smith at 241. Uh, Kamal Worthy took it on about six days' notice, and he was at a concert when he found out about it. And I know his manager was trying to do a bunch of media because no one really knew who Kamworthy is. Kamworthy basically told me like he was just happy to be there, but he's going to shock a lot of people. Even when I'm talking to him, I'm like, I don't really think so. But he was like a Devon is like a minus a thousand favorite or something like that. It was one of the biggest favorites, and to get knocked out like that, like knocked out cold. Devon Smith was a surging uh, prospect. Like if he won that, he was going to be like borderline top fifteen. And Kamworthy stole all that hype, and no one saw that coming. Like. I had some people at my house, and I'm like, Devontae Smith's like a shoe in to win this fight. Like, there's going to be no chance then to see him get knocked out. Like, that was crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. And we even talked about it in the podcast, though. We're like, don't bet on on uh, Smith because he's minus 1,000. Like, don't put money on that. It never pays off, guys. Like, you're going to marginally add a few bucks to a parlay. And yeah, sure. Like, some of the time that these big underdogs do win, when they lose, they're screwed. So it's not worth it. And that was a great pick, Cole. Mine's going to be your Uriah Fairy against Ricky Simone. I know by the odds it wasn't the biggest, but Cole, I was shocked when he won, man. Couldn't believe it. After a three-year layoff to come in there and fight a top prospect in Simone and knock him on the first round, I was absolutely shocked. I was floored by that one. Uh, very memorable knockout for me. Uh, I, I just was completely shocked. It was a great performance by Faber. Obviously, lost his last fight against uh, Peter Yon. And then Simone lost his last fight against Rob Fonson. Both those guys are kind of out of the title picture. But at the time, it was like a really big fight in that division. And uh, for me, it was my upside of the year because I couldn't believe it happened. I'm still like in, in shock that it happened, actually, because anytime a guy's four years old fighting a 26 years old coming off a three-year layoff, I will always pick the younger guy who's been more active. And in this case, it just didn't play out that way. So crazy finish there. Comeback of the year. And uh, go ahead, Cole. Go for comeback of the year. I have Daniel Cormier, Steve Amiel, which is at UFC 241. That was DC on me. I know some judges had it 2-1, some had it 3-0. I had DC up all three rounds in that one. I thought he was coasting to a win. I didn't think Stipe showed anything in that fight. And then 
the four like he was getting out wrestled he was getting outstruck like he was just slow to his punches and then in the fourth round he completely changed his game plan to go let's just go to the body and he got a tko win in that very round after probably losing all three rounds and then to add to it he won back the heavyweight title like just hit that performance like he needed a finish on my scorecards i know some judges i think he could have won the last three but the way dc was rolling like it just looked he was about to coast a win and to have that comeback and just one round like that's crazy. That's my comeback of the year. Yeah, it's a great pick, and I'm glad you went off the the grade for this one. Uh, I want to go with the obvious one, but I want to talk about this fight first. Yeah, I actually had DC winning all three rounds as well, and like I think it was like a body shot that really turned the tides in that fight. Like he hit him in the Steve uh, hit DC in the body and just crumbled, and basically it was never the same after that. The great pick, Cole, because it looked like DC was well on his way to winning the decision, defending the belt. But now he loses. Now we set up a huge trilogy fight for 2020. Hopefully, happens very soon because uh, this division needs to move on. Turned up MMA. Smith took a dive for his friend. I don't know, man. Like he got knocked out pretty good in that fight. Uh, but yeah, they were really good friends, which definitely made it interesting. Uh, I'm gonna go with the obvious pick here and go with Yarzinho Rosa against Alistair Room because he was gonna lose his fight. And to me, it was exactly like Korean Zob against Yair Rodriguez last year, and that uh, this guy was on his way to losing the decision and then pulls off a hail mary with like four seconds left. I actually tweeted out, I'm like. And you know what? I've, I've seen other people make this mistake, and I'm like, I'm not going to make this mistake. I'm going to wait till the final bell rings. But in this case, I was like, all right, just tweet it out right now, like five seconds before the, the, the knockout happened. I was like, great performance by Overeem, you know, picks up a great, great win, and then bang, knocks him out. So it was crazy. Uh, great win there by Rosino to pick up the upset, and uh, he was clearly losing. And I'm actually going to go for Rookie of the Year next. I'm going to pick Rosino as well. He deserves to win Rookie of the Year, in my opinion, 4-0. Uh, had an amazing year, incredible year. Uh, you know, Cole, like he came out of nowhere, picks up four straight wins. Uh, Junior Albini with a head kick in the first uh, in February for his first UFC win. Alan Crowder in June sets uh, not UFC record, but second fastest knockout in heavyweight, nine seconds. Actually, out retired Alan Crowder. He's not going to fight anymore. And then uh, picks up obviously the win against uh, Andre Orlovsky in November, UFC 244, 29 seconds, and then picks up the latest knock a win in UFC heavyweight history in 20 uh actually ever in, in December so an amazing year by him uh I'm sure you would have picked the same guy but I told you to pick someone else so who's your pick, you can't uh, pick guy. <laughs> yeah rookie of the year is Cyril gone like I was just super impressed by him he obviously had the two submission wins over Pessoa and then Dante Mays that was your submission of the year that was unreal and then he dominated Tanner but it was a 30 26 on all three scorecards and Cyril Gaon really sets himself up nicely. Like, he came in to the UFC at 3-0. and You don't really see many guys making their fourth professional fight in the UFC. He was already a champion in TKO, which is a, probably the top Canadian promotion. And to see what he's done, he had... Like, he was known as a stand-up guy, and he really showed off his ground. He impressed me the most this year. Like, I did not expect him to be this good this fast. And really, to me, he sets up 2020, like, straight in for a top 15 guy. Great pick. I'm glad you went off the board with this one. God had a great year, and he looks amazing. The way where Boaster wasn't as impressive, Boaster's kind of a hard guy to finish, kind of an awkward matchup, so no shame in not getting the finish there. But, yeah, great pick there. Coach of the year, go ahead. Uh, Coach of the year for me is Safe Sahoud at Fortis MA. Just to see what Fortis has done, they went 19-4 and this year in the UFC, and two of those losses were Steven Peterson, and one was uh, against Alex Caceres, where I think we both thought Peterson won that fight, and the other was against an overweight Luis Pena at featherweight. So you take those away. That's 19 and two. Like he had a great year. And and it's something that I really like about Forrest and Safe is they don't inherit a bunch of guys 
this gym's only been around since 2017 and they've just started to grow. Like you see what Jeff Neal's doing. Obviously Macy lost her last fight, but you saw what she was doing. They, um, they obviously had like Diego Ferrer is ready to fight Anthony. Pettis. Like Uriah Hall's there. Like yep. Ryan Spann's a top prospect yep. of light heavyweight. Like they're growing. I just think Forrest is going to be considered one of the best gyms going forward. Um, is, uh, is, who's been training there and his brother training there? Yeah, his brother trains there. Okay, why why did they announce Houston was from Dallas, Texas at two forty five, uh, fighting out of Dallas? Because I thought he was a hard knocks guy. Do uh, you know where he is? I think he well, Houston in his corner, but right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was doing some training there because they said yeah. Texas, which I thought was kind of weird. Anyways, yeah, I know his brother's there, but I want to mention that great pick though, Cole. I'm gonna go with Eric Albarracine, man. I think this is a good pick as well. Eric Albarracine, he doesn't do too many guys, but he has. Uh, two of the best in the, in the world in uh, Henry Cejudo and Patricio Pitbull. So Henry Cejudo had a great year, as we know. He, he also does Costa. Paulo Costa as well? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so what a great year this guy had. Um, Henry Cejudo, amazing year, as we know. Really uh, turned into a star this year. TJ Dillashaw knocked away in 32 seconds in the first ESPN card and then knocks out Marlon Marias. He gives 238 to win the Bantamweight title. So an amazing year for him. And Patricio Pitbull's his other big fish. And Patricio Pitbull also had an incredible year. He uh, knocked out uh, Michael Chandler in May to win the Bellator lightweight title and then defended the featherweight title against Juan Archuleta in September. So this guy is fantastic. Takes on Pedro Cavarlo uh, in March to, uh, for the semifinal, no, sorry, the quarterfinals of the Bellator featherweight tournament. So he's an amazing fighter, one of the most underrated fighters in the sport, and I'll talk about him a little bit later. But yeah, very good. And like, you're saying Paulo Costa as well. So, I mean, Paulo Costa also had <laughs> a really good year beating Yoel Romero at UFC 241 uh, and becoming the number one contender in the UFC middleweight division. So, yeah, Eric doesn't have a ton of guys on his stable, Cole, but the ones he has are like stars. So, he's done a really good job and he's a guy that deserves a lot more credit than he gets. Next up, storyline of the year. Go ahead. My storyline of the year is Ben Askren's entire 2019 run. Just there was so much excitement and hype around him. Like, he was undefeated. A lot of people, when he was in Bellator and dominated once, some people thought he was one of the best fighters in the planet, and they thought he could beat George St. Pierre at the time. There was a legitimate argument when he was in Bellator beating Tagusi and Andre Karshkov that if he went to the UFC then, he could have been a champion. He obviously, Dana White didn't like him at the time. He had to go to one championship. Then that historic trade happened, got to the UFC, debuted against Robbie Lawler. There was so much hype, and then it looks like it was going down so fast, so quickly for him. Like, he was like he got slammed on his head. It looks like he Herb Dean could have stopped the fight. Then he gets the controversial submission, and then he like he gets so much more hype because of that. Like a lot of people said, "Oh, he lost the fight." Then he faces Mazadal, gets knocked out in five seconds with Mazadal, sets up Mazadal as a star, and then even the Damian Maya fight, like that was a good fight this year. And that that one, I know it didn't have a whole lot of interest in it, but back in Singapore, like if he won that, he was going to be right back on the way. And he loses it and he retires. Like his 2019 is crazy. And that was that's my storyline of the year. Yeah, and another great pick here by you, Cole. And Askren, one only one year in the UFC. And it's like I feel like he did more in one year than most fighters do in their entire careers. Like, yeah, he didn't have the success that I think a lot of us expect or, or that he wanted, obviously. But the three fights were so memorable, Cole. Like the Robbie Lawler fight, insane stoppage there and yeah it wasn't a good stoppage but still the way the fight happened with the the slam by lawler and then him getting the bulldog choke and again it was an early stoppage for sure because lawler was no but still the way that fight played out in the three minutes it happened was insane the masvidal fight getting knocked on five seconds and then the maya fight was like one of the dream fights from two grapplers one of the better fights of the year cool 
and he gets submitted uh, again, choked out cold in the third round. So an incredible year. He's retired now. Um, I don't think he's completely done from the sport. He's talked about doing commentary, and I think he'd be really good at that. But honestly, Cole, I think he'll fight again. You know, I think most guys, they say they retired. They they never end up actually retiring. He's only 35. I know he, he has like an injured uh, hip. But I think we'll see him fight again at some point. I don't know if it's going to be in the UFC. I don't know where it's going to be. But I, I don't think this is the end of Ben Askren's career. And I will make that old prediction right now. I think we will see Ben Askren fight again. Don't know if it's next year. But I think at some point we'll see him fight again. Guys very rarely hang up the gloves for good in MMA. Next up, top fighter outside of the UFC. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of really good fighters. Can you make the argument yeah. for like? Oh, hey, cool. If you want to pick some guys, don't pick the one I pick, but pick some guys. Just name some names. Yeah, so there's guys like Douglas Lima, like Ryan Bader, like um, yeah, great picks. There's like a lot of top guys, even in one championship. Like you have a uh, like. There's just top, like that's the thing. So many fans just think, oh, UFC has a lot of top fighters, but I don't even think they have my fighter of the year. I don't even think they have the best fighter in the division. And most times, you can make the case. That when who the UFC champion is is the best champion in the world, but I think best fighter outside the UFC still speed Demetrius Johnson. You saw what he did in the UFC. He was a long time flower champion. Cejudo beat him by split decision. A lot of people thought Demetrius won that fight, and then he had three and one championships that fight for the flyweight title there. Like he's still one of the best pound for pound fighters in the, uh, really in the whole entire world. Yeah, and Demetrius is a great fighter. You know the the problem with him obviously is. His personality is kind of boring, and his fighting style is not the most exciting. I personally thought he was an exciting fighter. A lot of people didn't. But his personality, I think, is what the UFC just – they couldn't sell it, you know. Again, guy, Cole, the guy is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. I just think that in the UFC, like, Ben Askren was much more marketable for them. That's why they made the trade. So it's a great pick, though, Cole. Like, he is an amazing fighter. And probably, like, skill-wise, the best guy outside the UFC, so a good pick. I'm going to go with Pitbull, though, Patricio Pitbull and Bellator. The guy's amazing. Double champion in Bellator, featherweight and lightweight champion. Uh, he's fantastic, Cole. He's a smaller guy, but he still can beat bigger guys than him. He's got tons of knockout power. He's a guy who's so so underrated. I wish we could see him fight in the UFC, Cole. I'd love to see him fight Volkanovski. What a fight that would be, Cole. Such a good fight. Or even, hell, go up to lightweight and fight someone up there. I think there'd be a lot of fights for him. And, you know, Douglas Lee in the same spot, Cole. Douglas Lee versus Usman is such an intriguing fight to me. We won't see it, Cole, but it'd be a fun fight. All right, let's do our 2020 hot takes. now. I'll go first, Cole, because I did give these out on Aaron's show, and uh, I'm going to stick with the same ones. I don't want to do anything different. So I'm going to do my three, and then I'll let you do your three, okay? So my first my first one is uh, the women's featherweight division in the UFC is going to fold. I don't know if this is a hot take, guys. I think this one's going to happen. I just don't see this division sticking around. What's the point of it? Now that Cyborg's gone, that super fight with Amanda Nunes is gone, the only fight that Amanda really has here is Felicia Spencer. I do think that fight probably ends up happening this year. At some point, I do think Emmanuel will defend the title once. And once she does, I think the fight, the division's going to go the way of the Dota bird and just evaporate. I just don't see the point of this division anymore. It doesn't make sense to me. Unlike the flyweight division, where you actually have like 15 guys at least to like make a division, the men's flyweight division, I should say, um, which was rumored to go away for a while. It, it obviously was saved by Cejudo. But the featherweight division, Cole, literally, if you go to the UFC rankings page, there's no one in the rankings. It's just the champion. There's no one else. There's only a few fighters in the division. Uh, Spencer, Megan Anderson, DeSantos, and like maybe a few other fighters, but I just don't see this division hanging around cool. My second hot take, Henry Cejudo has talked about this. He has talked about retiring. He's teased it. If he doesn't get paid, what do you think he deserves? I think he will retire in year, year 2020. I think we'll see the end of Henry Cejudo's UFC career for, for now. I think he'll probably be back eventually, but I think this guy is, you know, he's accomplished a lot that what he set out to do. He became the flyweight champ, became the bandwagon champion. 
Um, he's chasing that money favorite Jose Aldo. And I think that says a lot. I think it says that, hey, you know, he's he's trying to make as much money as he can in the sport right now while he's still in it. Because honestly, Cole, I think if he fights Peter Yan, he loses that fight. I don't like that matchup form at all. I think that's a terrible matchup form. I saw your article with Peter Yan at DJ Penn. I agree with everything Peter Yan's saying. He doesn't want to fight Peter Yan. Cejudo doesn't want to fight him because he knows it's a bad fight for him. And he'd rather fight Jose Aldo. So I think Cejudo, he talked about this with uh, Calero Cruz last week at May fighting. He says, they don't pay me what they want. I'm going to hang him up. I think it's going to happen. And my last hot take was uh, Anderson Silva, I believe, will be released by the UFC this year. I think he'll have one more fight. He's going to lose. And he's going to be cut. And I think we're going to see Anderson Silva in Bellator, which is going to make a lot of people puke because this guy is obviously synonymous with the UFC, one of the greatest fighters in the history of MMA. But Cole, at this point in his career, like, look at his resume. Like, look at his last bunch of win- bunch of, last, last bunch of fights. Like, they're all losses. Um, his last win was Derek Brunson in 2017, the fight most people thought he lost. So he's lost four of his last five. He's lost... Uh, six of his last eight. The one winning against Nick Diaz was a no contest, and the win over Brunson was controversial. I think he's going to fight one more time against probably a top 15 guy, use as a gatekeeper, lose, and then sign with Bellator. And I'm going to double up my prediction, and I'm going to predict BJ Penn signs with Bellator too. I know some people have said he's going to sign with Barry Knuckle. I don't think so, Cole. I think he's going to Bellator. He was just at the event last week. Rich Childs is a good friend, and they do events in Hawaii all the time. So that's my. those are my hot takes, Cole. Um, if you want to give your thoughts on the hot takes and then I'll, I'll, I'll listen to yours, give me your thoughts on, on what mine were. Yeah. It's featherweight division. I think the entire division is fighting at Norfolk and there's two fights. So that kind of says the entire thing. I think I agree with you. I think Felicia Spencer is going to win. I think they're going to do Nunes Spencer just because Nunes wants to be the first champ champ to defend both belts. Yep. Once it happens, she has no reason to go to featherweight, like a Megan Anderson Nunes fight. Like, come on. Um, your second one was... Cejudo. Oh, yeah, Cejudo retiring. I could see it. I think he's going to... Because, let's be real, Peter Yanov, although he's a great fighter, he's not going to get Cejudo. Like, that, I don't even know if that could headline a pay-per-view. Like, that might have to be a co-main on a pay-per-view. Like, but if you do Aldo, if you do Cruz, like, the fights he's calling for, like, those are big fights. Like, people know who those guys are. I could see all... Like, we saw Cejudo give up his flyweight title. I don't think he's happy with the way things are going. I think he wants to get paid more. I could see that happening. But I think it would just be like a brief, like one of McGregor's retirement where he goes, oh, I'm done. And then like the following year, he's back. And then Silva, I don't know if the UFC will ever release him, but I said the same thing about BJ Penn. Like at some point, like they have to cut those people. And I think Silva, I think he might get one. I think he will get one more fight. And I would expect them to lose this. I still think they try to give him a big name or a person they want to build up. And I could see him getting released. And I could easily see him signing with another promotion. Because I don't think I don't think he wants to be done fighting. I think if he gets cut with the UFC, he'll easily sign somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, go, what do you want to do yours? Go yeah, on. so my first one is, I've said this for a bunch of years, and I think it finally happens, is the UFC goes to Hawaii. Uh, why I think it happens is... Dana White has always said, oh, they don't have a big enough venue because they wanted a pay-per-view because obviously Holloway's a champion. Now that Holloway's no longer champion, you could put him in Hawaii, the same venue that Bellator was at, and it could be a fight night card. You don't need a big venue for a fight night card. It can just be on TV. It can be on ESPN+. Plus. You just have to stream it. You don't have to worry about your gate because it's obviously, it's just a fight. You don't have to worry about paying all these stars for a pay-per-view for a gate. Holloway no longer has the championship pay. His pay is going to go down. So I think it just makes sense to do it this year now. My other one is kind of building off yours. If they close the women's featherweight division, I think they're going to open an atom weight division, and Michelle Watterson is going to be the inaugural champion. I've talked to Mike Winklejohn. He said they're really pushing for it. Michelle wants it. 
I heard some talk like last year, if they did another season of tough, it was going to be an atom weight. So it seems like the UFC is interested. Invicta has an atom weight division. If they do it, they can just absorb Invicta's division. A lot of 115ers are small. They'd go down to 105. And I think you close 145, and then you still have that other another title for fights. And the difference is they always need more title fights. And if you open atom weight, you could have that atom weight title headline, like fight night cards. And then the final one, this one's kind of out there, but I think Conor McGregor is going to win a UFC belt in 2020, whether it's an interim belt, a real belt, or like a BMF title fight like that, like a BMF belt, something like that. I think Conor's going to be Cowboy, and I think he's going to get like a either a Mazda BMF or like an interim title fight. And I think he's going to win that. Yeah, well, and again, I can see all those happening too. Adam Wade's division is really interesting, Cole. Um, you know, I think Featherweight's gone too, so I think that they could replace it with Adam Wade. The only problem is like again, how many fighters are in that division? They'll have to sign fighters from outside the UFC, but there are more one one hundred five pound women than one forty five. Um, yeah, I think that's it, Cole. Is there any other categories that we forgot to do that you want to uh, to mention? Well, just want to say, what do you think the gym of the year is? Like for me, it yeah, has to be yeah. city kickboxing. Would, would, would you pick? I, for me, it has to be city kickboxing. They went okay. Yeah, yeah, great pick. I mean, Asanya Volkanovski's there too, right? Yeah, they only had one loss, which was in the entire year, which was Kara France at two forty-five. They right. went. Dane Hooker's there too. Yeah, and Kara France, and that was a close fight against Moreno. Really good fight. Yeah, uh, really good pick there, Cole. City kickboxing. Man, it's tough. I, I think American Top Team's got to be up there again. Like I pick it every year, but I mean they are such a good camp. Dan Lambert's your boy. They're good, man. I mean Mazadol, Colby Covington, even, and they've got a bunch of other fighters there. You all know had a really nice year, bounce back year as well. So I think that'd be a really good gym. Uh, any anything else that we missed? Any other gyms? Well, obviously AKA is always up there with Beeb and well, even eight, American Top Team had Poirier win an interim belt. They had Nunez defender belt twice. Like it, it just. To me, like city kickboxing is just something that everyone always picks. Att like At has so many already elite fighters. City kickboxing kind of came out of nowhere and had all these top fighters, and they're just doing something different in Australia. Like even talking to Volkanovski, like they basically spend so many times studying each fighter, like before they even get into training camp. Like they spend hours, one hours, like studying each fighter, and it's showing the hallway fight. Like he had a game plan for every little thing Holloway does. And I think city kickboxing is only going to improve. I agree. By the way, I just saw some breaking news, and if anyone's listening, will hear this. Did you see this call? Sean O'Malley's going to fight. Yeah, I just saw that. And so he's going to be fighting Jose Quinones at UFC 247 in Houston. What are your thoughts? Uh, Sean O'Malley should win. Quinones didn't show much against Nathaniel Wood and got submitted. I think Sean O'Malley can do the same thing. He's obviously really good at jiu-jitsu. He showed off the quintet tournament, had a lot of success there. He's really good on the ground. Hopefully he actually can fight because Sean O'Malley is a guy that the UFC really tried to push his star. Then this whole USADA thing happened. I'd, I'd like to see him fight. I'd want to see him. It's a good fight back for him just because he hasn't fought in a while. Like, this is kind of what I thought it would be. But Bantamweight is more exciting if O'Malley's there because he's obviously undefeated. He has a lot. He's, he's a, he poses a lot of problems for a lot of people. But I think this is a really winnable fight for O'Malley. Yeah, it's this is an easy fight for him, Cole, to be honest. This guy, Cronona, is, yeah, you know, his record's not bad. But he, he's the guy they brought him to lose. Got brought in to lose against Daniel Wood. Pushed him a little bit in the first round, then ended up, uh, I think, getting submitted there. This is an easy fight for O'Malley. Like, but again, they have to do this for him because he hasn't fought in so long. I just hope that he makes it to the fight, Cole. You know, that's the only thing I'll say because this guy's had so many problems with USADA, and he was destined to like be a big star. Um, look at it, look at his following. He's got half a million followers on Instagram. It's crazy, right? Like the whole the video game thing, 
Um, he's really pro marijuana. So a lot of people really like this dude. And he seems like a pretty cool guy and a decent fighter for sure. He looked, he's looked good. Um, but you know, Cole, like, I don't know, man, I'm not sure what to expect from this guy in, in, in 2020. Like, I hope that he's able to find a consistent schedule, but I don't know, man, you saw the teams that like just have it out for this guy for whatever reason. I don't know what the issue is there with him, but I'm glad that he did get a fight booked. This fight was supposed to happen back at UFC uh, 233, I believe, 230, the one the one in uh, October, because he actually reposted this. If you look back at his posts, he had one yeah. in October. I'm just looking when he was supposed oh, to. Right. Yeah, I, I think, or was it from 229? Was it UFC 229? Yeah, he was supposed to be 229, he got pulled, oh, and then he was supposed to fight Vera at... Yeah, so just looking, he was supposed to fight Quinones at 229, and then yeah. he was supposed to fight Marlon Vera at 239, and he was pulled from both for potential USADA violations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. Anywhere, any other news you, you want to talk about, Cole? Uh, anything else that's happened in the last few days? We got talk. Mm. If anyone has any questions, throw them in there. We'll answer them right now. Go ahead, Cole. If you got anything else you want to talk about? Well, this, I have a rant about this. I saw Dave Martin did an interview with Cowboy, and anyone that says he's being paid to take a dive, like, come on. You think Cowboy's going to be the guy that's going to take a dive? Like, this isn't WWE. Like, Cowboy really realistically could win that fight. Like, he's a dangerous guy. But, like, I don't get how that argument or conspiracy theory even came to be like people's thinking that he's going to be a person that's going to lose for the, be a company guy to lose for the UFC. Like, I don't know, just all those conspiracy theories need to go away. Yeah. And I'm with you with, on, on that one, man. Like I think people are saying that because he said that he's going to stand and bang with, with, uh, with, uh, with McGregor. But I just feel like that's the way he fights. Like he doesn't necessarily like to take fights to the ground. He will, if he has to, in this case, he should. <laughs> I think you, if he takes the fight to the ground, Cole, he'll have the biggest advantage. But he's a warrior. He wants to put on a show for the fans. It's going to be a great fight, Cole. Like, yeah, don't think you completely count Cowboy. I have to pick McGregor, though, just because Cowboy's chin is, like, declining. He's like Frankie. He's seeing kind of spot, taking a lot of damage, getting up there in age now. I think Carter does catch him and puts him out. But, you know, when I was at the TSN studios last week, Aaron was bringing up some good points. He's like, you know, who's the better kicker, Cowboy? Who is better cardio, Cowboy? Who is... Uh, more experienced cowboy who's the better ground game cowboy he's name all these things are cowboy and i go yeah but who's got the bigger punching power who's got the better chin it's connor right so that's why i gotta pick connor but you know cole like it's definitely an interesting fight and people saying that it's gonna be like a, a wash i don't know about that um i was gonna ask you what you thought about the frank trick thing because i thought that was super cool seeing that fighter in bellator give him some breeze like you always hear bad things about refs it's pretty cool seeing a ref actually get some uh some nice things said about him right yeah you always hear like Comedy comes to mind with Goddard ripping refs. Oh, that was a bad stoppage. Like I was, I wasn't out. Like, oh, I didn't tap. So it's just stuff like that. You never hear people say, "Thank you for the stoppage." Like that was actually a really good stoppage. I appreciate you stopping it. Then, like to see and Frank Trigg, like he's one of those up and coming refs. Like he's trying to be a good ref. I've only heard good things about Frank Trigg refing. So it's yeah, like and just I think more fighters need to do that. Like you complain about stoppages all the time. You have to give ref props when they make a good decision. Mm-hmm. And Frank actually is a friend of the website, MMA Oddsbreaker. He's done a lot of interviews and articles for the site. I don't know if he's still on the staff right now, but when I last time I talked to Nick was he was like he's like friend of the site. And if he wants to do work, he can. But he's very focused on uh, doing stunt work. He does like a lot of acting outside the cage, and uh, also obviously the refing thing and uh, judging. Now, the the question I would have for you is like, 
I think it's great that fell, uh, an ex-fighter is refing because like they have more experience than anyone. So I think that's a great thing. But the judging thing, that's something that I think is a little questionable because like I think biases will really come to play if they start judging fights. Cool. Like refing is one thing because like yeah, like they could let a fight go on or, or not as long. But with judging, like you can really change the tides of someone's career. So I, I just give me your thoughts on that quickly. Yeah, because you even see on commentary like Dominic Cruz sometimes when it's someone's oh, crew too, mate. No bias. Imagine you had ex fighters like that judging. Like you couldn't do it. It's bad. I think you can't have any ex fighters because obviously they're going to have biases and it's too hard. There's too many close friends and fighting and teammates yeah. that even if you did, you can't keep them away forever. I was listening to Joe Rogan with Holloway on his podcast and he actually made a good idea. He says, have eight or nine judges and take away like the worst, like the most, like bottom scores, like for either the, so let's say yeah, yeah, either, yeah. Right, they had someone 5-0 and then someone had one 4-1 for the other guy. You take away those until you're left with like three or five decisions. And then that's how you kind of get a good scorecard all the time. Yeah, I, just, I just think five judges makes more sense at this point. But again, the athletic commissions, I don't think they want to spend the money on that. I want to hear your thoughts on this because I didn't talk to you about uh, Busan. Isn't it weird how Mark Otter gave Frankie like 10 different chances to get out of that position, Cole? But for Colby Coving, he stopped it right away. Like, I don't like the inconsistency, man. I have no issue with Mark Otter personally or anything like that. But that was kind of weird, right? I mean, it's not even like the Coving to stoppage happened in January and this was in December. So he had time to learn. This was one week later. Yeah. Like, he didn't even say anything to Coving. He didn't say, you, like, any Edgar thing, you could literally hear him say, you got to defend yourself, Frankie. Get, move your head, Frankie. Like, you got to get out of this, Frankie. With Covington, he didn't say anything. There was, like, two punches, and he just stopped it. There was no warning, like, you got to do something, Colby. Like, defend yourself, Colby. Get out of this position, Colby. Like, there was nothing like that. I don't know if he just had more respect for Edgar because he's a former champ. He's a legend. But you, you have to uh, ref every fight the exact same. I'm with you, man. It's, it's kind of strange. Um... Anything else cool? Well, just the last thing, it kind of happened yesterday afternoon, but San Hagen obviously announced he's off the rally card because the Edgar thing. Like, who would you like to see him fight next? I did talk about this on the show this morning. Corey called out Marlon Marais and Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz hasn't won a fight since 2016. And why are people calling him out? He's not even ranked. Yeah, and Cruz isn't ranked because of the inactivity, but actually, I'm wrong. He actually hasn't won a fight since before then. His last win was in June 2016. His last fight was in December 2016. His last one against Uriah Faber in June 2016. The guy's just not relevant anymore. I'm sorry, but he isn't. You know, I'm sorry that he's had to deal with injuries. That's part of sport, unfortunately. It's the brutal part of sports. You know, it's it's sad because I think Cruz easily could have been the greatest bandwidth of all time. Some people will say he still is, especially since TJ popped. So I think there's a good argument to made that Cruz is. But you know, 34, he missed he missed a lot of time, Cole. Like between 2011. In 2014, he had zero fights. Between 2014 or between 2016 and 2019, zero fights. So he missed six years of his prime due to injuries. Really unfortunate. Um, but anyways, uh, Corey called out Cruz and he called out Marlon Marais. Marlon makes a lot of sense. I'd like to see that fight. You don't want to see it? No. Uh, Shaking your head. No, I wouldn't want to see Cruz at all. Like Cruz makes okay absolutely no sense. I don't know why people keep on calling out Cruz. Like, yeah, is Cruz even fighting anymore? Like, he has made no effort to say like he's coming back. It's got a big name, but yeah, I don't want to see it. Anyways, Cole, I plug your stuff, man, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, Twitter at Cole 91 This day, I had something on Yan and what he thinks about Cejudo, but yeah, everything else will be on my Twitter. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Martin. Podcast is always available at mmaltwitter.com. You guys can check me out at bjpen.com and mmarings.net. Cole, I just want to thank you, man, for joining the show again. 
as always, to break down uh, UFC. Uh, the the I should say just MMA in 2019. It was really cool doing the award show. There are a couple of cards this weekend. Uh, there's the Bellator Rising card. We didn't get a chance to talk about that, but I'll be breaking it down on my own show later this week, probably on Thursday or Friday. And there's a PF, the PFL cards. What Tuesday, I believe. Is yeah. That- December 31st, yeah, well, Tuesday. Again, you want maybe Monday, we'll talk about that card because it's pretty good. Or even Tuesday, actually. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, uh, the Beltra card is this weekend. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I'll break it down myself. There are odds out, though, so that's pretty cool. And I think that's it, Cole. So once again, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Made the podcast really good today. And I'll be back tomorrow for a really short Christmas edition of the podcast. Guys, have a great day. Cole, thanks again for joining me, buddy. Guys, have a great one. Bye.